Hello, everybody. Michael Lombardo here. Welcome to Awaken Podcast. If you are new to the show, um, we have a new episode every Monday and Thursday streaming through CharismaPodcastNetwork.com. You could also download the Charisma Plus app, and there's a lot of amazing material on there, a lot of different podcasts, articles from Charisma News, etc. You could tap into my show there. You could also go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Audible, pretty much anywhere that podcasts are listened to, to be able to you know, go previously into other episodes or probably um, we're at 110 beyond now in terms of episodes that are released through Charisma Podcast. There's a lot of amazing content out there, interviews, teaching episodes you guys are really to glean from, receive from. And so thank you so much for those who are listening week after week, sharing with your friends and your family, you know, the different podcasts that are being released. And so bless you guys. Thank you if you're a long term listener. That is always I'm grateful for you and I'm grateful for your participation in getting this out to so many people. And so I want to I want to dive in. We have a great show for you today. We're going to be talking about the process um, in which you know we, we we receive prophetic words and the process to to see the manifestation of those words, which is an important subject, a vital subject. And so, my guest today, his name is Charles Stock, and he and his wife Anne, they are the senior pastors of Life Center Church, and he serves also on Harvest International Ministries Apostolic Team with Cheon, and he has a doctrinal degree from the Wagner Leadership Institute, and their joy is their two daughters and their seven grandchildren. And if you read his book, Glow in the Dark, you'll find out a lot more about their journey and their and their life uh, theology of joy. And it's a beautiful thing. They have a powerful ministry and a beautiful church. Life Center Church is a beautiful church that has done so many amazing things over the years, releasing the gospel all over the world. And so thank you so much, Charles, for joining me today. Oh, you're welcome, Michael. It's a joy to be with you. <laughs> That's so good. I really appreciate you taking the time. And one thing, before we dive into our subject here, talking about the prophetic, its role in our lives, the process of the prophetic, I'd love to, I always love to hear about my my guest story of how they encountered the Lord or how they received the baptism. Just to, so people, you know, there's so many different ways that we encounter the Lord Jesus. And I just love to hear that before we dive in today. All right. Uh, well, in a nutshell, uh, in the uh, late 60s, early 70s, my wife and I were in our late teens, early 20s. We were part of that generation. We were uh, California flower children. We were seeking <laughs> the Lord. Yeah. I mean, we're seeking truth. I don't know if we're seeking the Lord. We were seeking the Lord, but we didn't know it. So we're looking in all the wrong places. Yep. And through a series of uh, encounters with the grandeur of God in nature, yep. you know, some of my, some of my thoughts began to shift. God brought us into a pursuit. Uh, we were pursuing our karmic journey sure. and some Christians helped us out. And so, you know, to pay back the universe, we decided we should go to this Christian meeting and see if we could put some money in an offering. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it happened. There were no offerings at these meetings, but there was worship, and there was the presence of God, and we just got drawn in. Sure, by the the tangible presence of God in in uh, worship, yeah. and uh, mm-hmm. w- which is phenomenal. And there were healing testimonies and that kind of thing. But we had been exposed to some of that in other, you know, kind of on the wrong side of the cross. Uh-huh. And so th- that was not as impressive as just the raw, yeah. uh, tangible mm-hmm. sense of God's presence in worship. And that's what drew us in. And we got hooked on it. And after a few weeks, just found ourselves humbling 
ourselves laying our ideas down and saying, Jesus, show us you're real. Yeah. <laughs> and he mm-hmm. did. <laughs> so, Beautiful. 1972. Wow. Yeah. So, you, so were, you were searching for truth and you found out that Jesus is the way, the truth, yep. and the life. <laughs> Beautiful. You got it. You got it. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. I've shared. So that's always marked our journey, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of pursuit of his presence without recognizing it. Maybe sometimes the way we're born into the kingdom foreshadows what we'll carry. Mm. And uh, that's good. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> no, that's no, that's awesome. So I had a, I had a, man when I got saved, I brought all my friends. I was it was sex, drugs, and rock and roll for me, and I brought a lot of my friends who, yeah, yeah. we're chasing carnal pleasures. We just want to have a good time, you know. Yeah. I brought all my after I encountered mm-hmm. the presence of God, the love of God that absolutely transformed my life. I was bringing all my friends to church. It's funny. One thing they would always say to me is, "Wow." There's something about this place or something about this church. My head is saying that this is all garbage. This isn't true. There's a bunch of fanatics here, but there's uh-huh. something in my heart drawing me saying that there's, uh, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I feel something here and I'm yeah. a little uncomfortable, you yeah. know? And it's just like, it's a presence of the Lord drawing you. It doesn't make sense to your natural mind, you know? It doesn't, it's hard to put the pieces yeah. together to make sense of it logically, but your heart is saying that this is real. This is true. God is here. And so it's just beautiful. God is here. It's beautiful how it God loses people. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and so I love your story. I heard your story. Uh, on the, it was good. I heard your story on the podcast. It was, I believe it was Sean Bowles podcast, Exploring the Prophetic. You were on there. Oh, yep. So good. So yep, good. I remember talking to Sean. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, all you young guys are going for it. It's awesome. Oh, dude, so, uh, it's my it's my joy. It's my joy. I just love the Lord won my heart. He's so tangibly, so real. I went from a drug junkie to a Jesus junkie. One touch from the presence of God. Praise the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> He's so good. Yeah. He's so good. And so I love I loved your story. Yeah. I absolutely loved your story of just the 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 prophetic process in your lives. And I'd love to hear that because I know there's so many people out there that have received prophetic words from the Lord. The Lord has put, yeah. you know, impressed their heart with, Hey, you're going to do this one day or this one day, or mm-hmm. you're going to have this land and this property. Yeah. You're going to be a minister. You're going to do this. But there's, there, there's a journey in that. It doesn't always manifest right away. Most of the time it doesn't, yeah. right? There's usually a length of time yeah. where we have to trust God and go through that process. Tell some of your stories and some insight on that. Okay. Yeah. Well, and, you know, actually, Michael, I was thinking about, as you're saying it, sometimes the, the, like the dream that we have for our life is actually something we carry, we manifest it, but we're really stewarding it. Mm. And so sometimes we get hung up on that the word, the prophetic word has to manifest in our own lifetime. And sometimes it just isn't going to. But we're mm. carrying it, stewarding it, communicating it, and and other generations pick it up and wow. carry it. And mm. so I think a lot of what we believe and hope for, you know, we believe and hope for it in our lifetime. We believe for revival next week, awakening next month, you know, and I'm yeah. I'm right there. But I also recognize there's something massive that we're we actually are all stewarding as we carry this promise you know we're all kind of in that uh hebrews 11 place where we're we're you know we've seen a city whose maker and builder is god and we can't we can't do it in our own effort so that's just a general like i I was reflecting this morning on some of the long-term stuff um as young believers we just had such a passion for 
um, seeing the whole world yeah. know about Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, and our hearts ran after missions. We were, as young believers, we were um, with Lonnie Frisbee for three years in Santa Cruz, wow. California mm-hmm. in the early 70s. And it was a tumultuous time in Lonnie's life, which many, most, most of the times in Lonnie's life were tumultuous, but it <laughs> yeah. really impacted us with, you know, a, a, a imprinted the supernatural on us. So, and, and a vision for revival, which, with, and a childlike faith, all of which Lonnie carried. But I, I was thinking about this. We were in California and we ended up uh, being part of a team that, we were co-pastors probably because we didn't know better, but, um, and this church up in the, in the Sierra Nevadas grew quite large Sure. and, and it kind of, it had a reputation for the presence of God and worship and people would drive three hours from the Bay area up to join us for these nights of communion and waiting on God. And from that, you know, this was my hometown and it was like paradise and, we thought our life couldn't get any better. There were lots of miraculous things. We were planting churches and stuff, but we got, you know, that wasn't our final destination. Mm-hmm. And uh, we built, we actually built a house cash that we had this whole vision for. We we're going to sell it someday and go to the mission field. Well, we did sell it four years later and it was in pain and agony. Mm-hmm. And we were involved in, in, we were we didn't realize it, but we were in spiritual warfare. We had we had gotten into some territorial spiritual warfare, and we were planting churches where nobody had ever planted churches yeah. before, and we thought we were hot stuff. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and we just got our butts kicked by the kickback from the darkness. You know, we and and a bunch of our team members did, but for us, that journey propelled us into something we never imagined, which was that our, our best friends would misunderstand and judge us and say, you know, bad things about us. And, and so we were crying out for healing because that's a very deep pain to be betrayed by your friends Mm -hmm. who, by the way, are all our friends. You know, we, we restored all that later, but in that moment in the crucible, we're just crying out, God, open a door for healing. And this crazy door opened through a prophet, Iverna Tompkins, to this little group in Pennsylvania that we knew nothing about. Iverna knew about our plight, and she was ministering to us and mm-hmm. brought it, <laughs> brought us to this prophetic presbytery in, in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. Okay. Yeah. And so in May of 87, we're getting these pro- prophecies from prophets who've never met us, you know, that were I'm in a cocoon. I'm trying to get out. My wife's like a butter. Her life's like a butter churn and all this rich <laughs> yeah, platters yeah. of butter are going to come out of it, but we're in the process and it just hurts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so that's May of 87 in Arizona, May of 87 in Pennsylvania, there's this word of faith church and, uh, there's a prophet there and this prophet prophesies to the senior pastor who was probably in some transition at the time, but that God was going to bring an apostle in the fall who would be a lover, who would do the work of a pastor. And, you know, it's going to, so it meant a lot to him. So he was kind of was on the lookout for this. And uh, Mm. in our pain, (laughs) crying out, God, take us someplace to be healed. 
we ended up getting this word from Iverna, or not a word, but a, a, she she made us aware of an invitation. Sure. So we prayed about it, thinking never. We didn't even know where this place was in Pennsylvania. Didn't know anybody east of the Rocky Mountains, and uh, and God spoke to me. I, I remembered to pray. I, I actually just prayed, God, send that little group a nice pastor. Yeah. And I really yeah. said it because I knew the next <laughs> time I talked to Iverna's secretary, she was going to ask me, you know, if we had done anything about this group uh-huh. in Pennsylvania. Yeah. They, they were trying to keep us alive. We were dying. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I prayed this courtesy prayer, and God spoke clearly after months of you know, crying and praying in tongues for healing and doors to open and help us not to get bitter, sure. blah, blah, blah. And God just says, I am, it's you. <laughs> I'm like, no, no. Anyway, so my <laughs> wife uh, laid out a, a fleece that was pretty unlikely that our house would sell the first day on the market full price and it would be a cash offer. So we thought, well, we'll list our house and see if that happens. And it did. So eight days later, we were in a U-Haul truck. Oh, my god! We drove across America. Maybe it was 10 days later, but it was a shock (laughs) to everyone, including us, our families, the the church community there. And we came to Pennsylvania, and it was so terrible. I thought, God, what's my crime? You know, I just thought. This wasn't a healthy group. It wasn't a great group. They had written Iverna a letter, and God used it to to get us into Pennsylvania. But meanwhile, I met the pastor who had gotten this prophetic word, and he said, what are you doing here? I said, well, we came from California to lead this little group. And uh, and I remember he said to me, well, sometimes you think you came for one thing, but it's actually for something else. And that meant Mm -hmm. something to him. It didn't mean it. I just thought, well, I. I hope so, you know, because it was a bad group. We had planted churches before, and we thought, man, what what did we do wrong? Why would God send us here? <laughs> and it was cold and lonely, and we didn't have any friends. We had culture shock. and uh, But the, by the next spring, you know, I'd closed down this little group. Maybe that was my assignment. And we started attending this Word of Faith church because our kids liked the youth group, basically. Mm-hmm. And we thought that's a good pl- place for them. And so the pastor sees me on a Sunday morning, says, hey, would you like to preach? Why are, why are you here on a Sunday morning? I said, oh, I closed down the little group. And he said, well, would you like to preach sometime? I said, yeah, that'd be amazing. You know, so, so when I preached, he, he had a big encounter with God. I mean, I was just sort of having a release. You know, I felt mm-hmm. funny and happy and I, I hadn't spoken at a real church in quite a while. You know? <laughs> sure, sure. So I'm, you know, there's a lot of joy coming out and he's on his face and he takes me out the next day, plays his prophecy for me, has a transcript of it and a videotape of it because it was days of videotapes. And, uh, and he says, uh, we think this is you. Mm. And I thought, wow. <laughs> Maybe that's why God brought us to Pennsylvania. So, sure. so we were praying about it. And the next Sunday, he announced it. Like, you know, he called me on Saturday and says, what do you think? I said, well, we're praying about it. seems, you know, maybe this could be it. I, but it wasn't a yes. It was just like, <laughs> you know, kind of our we're, hearts we're are, praying. are open. Yeah. And so he announced it the next day, read the prophecy, 
called my name, said, stand up. This is the man. <laughs> and it was just this crazy oh, swirl. Wow. And we ended up on staff a few months later. And a few months after that, this guy, who's still my friend, I mean, but he just was in a, a dark time in his life, made a bad decision. He ran off with the church secretary mm. and it devastated the church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I've completely forgotten, you know, that God said, I am, it's you, you know, <laughs> coming to Pennsylvania. So I'm being a hero and I'm praying. I'm thinking, well, I guess we go back to California. But I was praying in this church sanctuary, which was a, was a, a casket warehouse. And it was in the hood. Oh like my with gosh, wow. Housing projects nearby, mm-hmm. drive-by shootings, cars would get broken into on Sunday mornings. And uh, stolen a few other times of the week. But so I was walking in the sanctuary saying, God, you know, I, this is terrible. I'll stay here and help them till they find a pastor. And, uh, you know, I was volunteering to God. <laughs> and God spoke to me and said, I have set you here. Yeah. And I thought, man, I don't know if I want to be set here. Well, <laughs> Obviously, 30-some years later, I'm still here in the city, and, and there's been this huge transformation, so many things that have happened. But in, in that moment, I, you know, I was not glad to hear the word of the Lord that I have set you here, and yet it became something I stood on. Because there were a lot of there was a lot of uh, accusation, and um, some of the people that knew this guy, he's a really good guy. I mean, he's just a, a charming, gifted man who mm-hmm. you know made a really bad mistake as a young leader under pressure, which is no excuse. I mean, like we're we're into marriage that lasts, but just mm-hmm. um, seeing the tragedy that it was for him and for the church, for me, I got thrown into this kind of lion's den of all these people thinking that somehow I had uh, brought a spirit of Jezebel or something. And I I wanted to be the pastor of this church. And that's why this guy got in trouble. I mean, I had pastors and prophets who came and told me this and I would, I would reason with them and say, guys, number one, I don't want to live in Pennsylvania. (laughs) Number two, I don't want to be a pastor. And number three, look where we are. You know, we're, we're in the hood in an ugly warehouse. Now, why would I want to hurt this guy who was through me a lifeline and, you know, gave me a purpose? I just, so, and they would, and mm-hmm. the, they, they would realize, oh, okay, you know, and they'd leave. But the accusation kept coming back. And the last time it happened, and it would be really draining and painful. And I just thought, yeah, I don't want to be here. You know, like I'd, I'd be happy to leave. And uh, the last time it happened, two, a prof, two prophets and a pastor came to see me, and they had, it was the same thing. And this, guy from Illinois, mm-hmm. he um, really was laying into me preaching how I, you know, I just needed to vacate the office and believe God for this guy to come back. And and I was in 
what had been his office because the, the rest of the staff asked me to. They said, we feel like orphans, you know, that with that office empty, please, <laughs> would you would you move into it? And I said, oh, guys, I don't know. I don't want it. <laughs> sure. But I will. You know, I did it, did it just to make them feel better. And uh, so this guy's going at it. And in the middle of it, I threw up a silent prayer. I said, God, this is really painful. And I heard the Lord clearly said, rejoice and be glad wow. from the Sermon on the Mount. Mm. And I went like, wow, the Beatitudes, right? Sure. So, mm-hmm. so I, I lifted my hand and I said, excuse me, Mr. Prophet, um, I just remember something important I have to do. I'll be back in less than five minutes. And I left the room. I went to the far corner of this big building, you know, and closed myself in a little room. And I just started jumping up and down saying, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Shaka barabake. I was just obeying Uh what he had spoken to me. But, you know, the the beatitude is blessed are you when men say all manner of evil against you falsely. Rejoice and be glad. So when I did this, ah, this supernatural joy came on me. I went back in the office. I said, okay. Uh, I took care of it. You know, what, what do you want to say? And and they kind of finished up, but here's what happened. It never happened again. And wow. I felt like wow. that prophetic word broke the accusation, the assignment against us, that it actually started in California with false accusations, mm. followed us to Pennsylvania. And, and it was, it ended up with a total reversal because as time went on, we developed a good name, like, you know, Proverbs 22, good names more to be desired than silver or gold, not just in the local city, but around the world. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, a better name than we deserve, which is what we all get <laughs> from grace. But uh, the, so it's pretty stunning that God did this. And in those early days when the church was so devastated, I would get up to preach as very foreign culture to me. I had no word of faith background. I was a, you know, Jesus people, hippie Christian, you know, more at home with YWAM than with word of faith. Sure. And, and and all the values and and lifestyle and stuff. So I'm preaching to these people that are awesome people, but you know, it's a very foreign thing. And I'm trying to navigate like where the landmines are (laughs) Uh-huh. I would uh-huh. preach some things. People would get mad at me because they didn't believe it, you yeah. know, and uh-huh. this sure. kind of stuff. But in those moments, there would be something that would happen. I'd pop into the spirit and I would begin to declare there was going to be an, an awakening and there were going to be young people who would come and be saved and be trained and be sent into missions all over the world. And man, I'd preach myself happy and they'd be, you know, on their feet shouting and and this Mm -hmm. happened for about three weeks in a row unplanned you know just like the it was the holy spirit the unction yeah so but see this is like the prophetic word you steward in your life at a far deeper level than a specific word that you know a prophet said in a moment is that this would come back to me uh, three or four years later i was in san antonio and i was praying god do you want me to move to Austin 
or to Harlingen. I had two invitations from really fun friends to come and do, uh, you know, missions in Latin America based. One was out of Austin. One was out of Rio Grande Valley. And so we're, you know, San Antonio was kind of in the middle. We're there in a hotel room praying. And in the middle of the night, I pray, God, okay, which is it, Austin or Harlingen? Austin's really cool, you know. But I'm happy to be in Harlingen. I can drive across the border into Mexico. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) and God, God spoke to me clearly and said, I've called you to Harrisburg. And I started crying. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah, wow. And and I said, God, I don't like it. I don't like, they don't like me. I don't like them. You know? <laughs> and, and God, and then God said to me, what happened? You know, first I said, well, the church is in much better shape now than it was when you came. And I, I'm, I'm having this conversation. I said, God, but I know I fixed it. And now I think it'll, it'll live and I can go do something I want to do. And then, he said, what happened to all your vision? Mm. And I thought, what? And when he asked the question, he popped this back into my mind, the memory of this kind of overflow experience of declaring that we're going to be young people coming to the Lord. They're going to be trained and sent. And, and I was stumped. I said, I don't know, God. And he said, you've been listening to the critics. Wow. So mm-hmm. the next morning I told Ann about this whole thing. She said, I, I knew we were supposed to be in Harrisburg. <laughs> <laughs> the wife always knows. <laughs> yeah, they know. I said, well, you know, I did, why did I need to pray? I could just ask her. Yeah. But I, <laughs> I, I said, I said um, so on the plane back to Harrisburg, I I said, okay, God, if I have to stay in Pennsylvania, then I'm just going to be myself. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to forget about all the background of this church. And I'm just going to, I'm going to like preach like I'm preaching to all my friends in California. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we began to do that. And it, it started a shift in the church that, you know, in the early stages, it was kind of rough, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, I learned when I was a young leader, I was, I, you know, I, since I didn't want to be the leader and I was the leader, I was reading lots of books on leadership and talking to spiritual fathers. And I got this, this uh, information somewhere from one of these books or from one of the guys that, that it takes about seven years for a culture to completely change. Mm-hmm. So we started in 88. This encounter was about 91 or two in San Antonio and, and the church, it really started accelerating and started training leaders. Kim Clement, right at this time, um, I had met him actually in the meeting in San Antonio and he, he came to our church a few times in the early years before he was famous when he would just travel alone with Jane and mm-hmm. and her parents and yeah. play the piano and mm-hmm. give prophetic words. And he had this prophetic word for us that God was going to give us this property that we we're going to change the name of the church. We're going to have this property on a hill, which you, you were at with Brian when yeah. you came with Brian and Candace Simmons. Yeah. And, and so, you know, this is 
big happy day in this warehouse, this casket warehouse in the hood on 13th Street. And uh, so, you know, everybody's kind of jazzed about it, but, you know, the, it, it didn't exist yet. Mm-hmm. And so we, periodically we would go out and look for some, you know, at some land that could possibly fulfill this word and we would make offers and nothing ever worked out. Meanwhile, the culture is changing. We're, you know, we're doing leadership training. Uh, you know, I'm getting core groups of people and really the, the heart of the church is being shifted. And at almost to the, you know, to the month on the seven year mark from mm-hmm. when we started, the ch- the Toronto outpouring hit us yeah. in the, mm-hmm. um, September of 95 or 94, September of 94. And yeah, we were never the same, you know, I mean, it just, it was like, um, the Jesus movement, uh, had, had hit us again, you know, like all this crazy supernatural stuff was, uh, just, you know, kind of like, what we were birthed into yeah. mm-hmm. that hadn't, you know, and, and had seen it, you know, bits and pieces. In fact, my wife, when we first went our first trip to Toronto, she in the hotel after the first night, she was saying, God, I've seen all this stuff before, but I want to see changed lives. Yeah. And God Amen. spoke to her and Amen. said, and what if it's a similar package but what's inside is way different. Mm. Now, what if I've hidden my glory like I did in the tabernacle in the wilderness under badger skins, but inside is the glory of God? And he said, I want you to look again. So the next day she, she went back with an open heart and God, um, you know, we, we actually didn't know what to do with what we were going to do with, with our time in Toronto, but it followed us home. So we didn't have to do anything. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah. just opened our mouths and the, and the Holy spirit. Oh, fell so and, good. and, uh, and because we, we actually liked it, you know, we like that supernatural stuff. We like the swirl and we like that, we didn't know what was going to happen at church. <laughs> and, and so we, sure. we kept it, go, we, you know, we, we stewarded it for years and actually for three years, 95, six and seven, the church got smaller it, with people and money. <laughs> oh yeah. Cause uh, people we, that didn't want to, you know, jump in people yeah. that exactly, they wound up yeah. going somewhere else. Yeah. They would, yeah, they would tell me they were leaving because, you know, they wanted to go someplace where... Too much joy. The, the, the word was being <laughs> preached more clearly or sure. something like this. Yeah, but anyway, so I was talking to God about this in about 97, and I said, God, I, you know, not just me, but our whole leader team, we decided in 95, we said, look, we don't care if people leave we're not going to kick the Holy spirit out of our, out of our meetings and out of our culture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Everybody agreed. Yeah. And so, you know, so now by 97, things are getting kind of small. And I I said, God, you know, if you're not building the house, 
we labor in vain. So if you're not building a house, would you hurry up and, and just tear <laughs> it down and then I can go do something fun? Yeah. And he spoke to me and said, next year it'll grow. And it was kind of a whisper. <laughs> and I thought, oh, God. Okay, uh, to be accountable, I told my leaders. And uh, and I said, well, you're gonna f- we'll find out if it was God or not next year, you know. So, so the next year we grew. Like the first time we, and we grew a lot and, and we grew with people that loved the Holy Spirit. And, and, uh, and so the following year, this whole miracle, uh, you know, like over the next 12 months from that point, this whole miracle that resulted in us getting this huge property started, you know, that, um, Somebody wanted to buy our building in the hood, which is like, wow. <laughs> sure. Know, somebody wants to buy your building in the hood, you should think about selling it yeah. seriously. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like they they were knocking on our door, you know, saying, hey, we want to buy this building. And, uh, and we, we had fixed it up a bit because we just figured, well, you know, we keep looking for this property. Kim Clemens prophesied, but we just better fix this place up before it falls, you know, falls apart. It was, getting embarrassing. So mm-hmm. we fixed it up some and that's when the, the buyers showed up and which caused us to start looking for property. And this property that we're now in had just come on the market because of a hostile takeover of a big corporation buying another big corporation and putting all these executive properties on the market. And we had this Jewish, uh, real estate guy. And he said, man, you guys got timing. I said, why is that? He says, well, there's never been this much high quality commercial property on the market at one time in Harrisburg, as long as I could remember. So he took us and he shows us these different buildings that had different purposes. And when we walked into the building that we actually got, it was a video conferencing center. That's what they had built it as. And this guy that built it was a real visionary man mm-hmm. 24 7 video conferencing um for their company leadership in 54 different nations so it was kind of like missions sure. you know, yeah. on a on yeah. a business level you know and and the guy he said look i think if we get this all worked out we can run this entire company out of this building they named it their Global Executive Leadership Center. Wow. And it was kind of like the secret building you had to have. You had to, your name had to be on a list to come into it. This was all before it got taken over. So I walk into the building. It's got a globe, a brass globe cut into black granite wow. as you walk in the front door. And I said, wow, this is amazing. And I looked up. And there was a solarium down the hall, this big glass part of the building with flags hanging in it up from the ceiling. (laughs) Wow. And just at this point, I said, this is the building. (laughs) And my, my executive pastor was with me. And he thought like, what are you talking about? Yeah. We could never afford this building because it was really nice. Everything was custom. Plus, there was a big problem. There was no big auditorium in it. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> so you had to do a lot of renovation, too. Even, oh, yeah. 
in in our ugly uh, warehouse, at least we had a big auditorium, but this one, you know, like uh, the biggest room could hold 200 in our auditorium at the warehouse could hold a thousand, you know? So mm-hmm. we thought, yeah, we have to figure something out here. So we, anyway, we did it and we went for it and we made this offer and they didn't even respond. And they told us it was sold to a big corporation and, and but we were all stuck on it, you know, and we, we'd get together and we say, Hey, if you've been praying, you know, sense anything. And each one of our leaders said, I don't know. I just keep driving up on that property. I keep thinking this is it. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, me too. I said, in fact, I've been driving up on it, noticing that there is not, there's no construction going on and that no one has even changed the sign oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. coming into the property. And I said, that doesn't make sense. So we started calling the realtor and my executive pastor uh, thought that this was kind of funny. He calls him and he says, hey, um, we're checking to see if that building really sold. And he hears the story and he, he says, oh, you guys need to get a life. That's a quote. He said, you guys need to get a life. There will be something else for you. <laughs> and so two weeks later, he calls back, hey, would you check to see if that building's really sold? And he, and he got frustrated. He said, look, I, I called them and they didn't call me back. And he said, and so then John, our executive pastor, he said, well, call them until they call you back or yeah. until they take your call. And he goes, oh, you guys are driving me crazy. So he calls them, you know, for another week or two and they finally take the call. And then he calls us and he says, I don't know how you guys do this. but there is a chance that if you have a strong offer together at at the end of March, which is about a month away, you could have a shot at it. It might be going back on the market. (laughs) Wow. This is great. Except we have exactly no money. (laughs) We were in the same situation. We were the summer before when we made the offer, but during these few days, it was like two weeks, the people that had been looking at our building came and gave us a letter of intent, which is like an offer, you know, like, I mean, it's not a formal offer, but they said, look, we're, we want to buy your building and this is what we'll offer you. So we made a counter offer and, and it, the price went up a little bit, which was amazing. And so by the time the, the, it hit the market again, because this big deal had fallen apart, we were, able, we were able to make a cash offer at the, I mean, not all cash, but we had cash to make yeah. an offer with. And mm-hmm. we could make a strong offer, and we were the first offer. Because wow. we, we, mm-hmm. we, Two hours later, a television station tried to buy it, made an offer. Two hours after that, a bank, a big bank, made an offer. And the company, for some reason, took our offer. (laughs) And we think 
that they took it because they just thought, well, we'll just take these guys' money because on on a on a big commercial deal like that, they take your deposit, and and we thought this was what this was the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We thought they're frustrated because they thought it was sold six months ago, and somebody's probably losing some big bonuses by not getting this job done. And if we make, so we made like the shortest time to do our due diligence in, I forget if it was 30 days, or, but it was a ridiculously short amount of time for a big commercial property because mm-hmm. we had to get like engineering, you know, geo surveys and all this oh, yeah. stuff mm-hmm. done. And plus we had to line up all our own financing and get our building sold you know, and closed all within the second. We we think they took the offer just because they thought, hey, let's take this offer. We'll keep this money because they won't be able to perform and we'll, you know, we'll sell it to the next guy who has, who knows what they're doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And God did it. And on the last day of our, of our escrow period, we got it all done, which took a couple more miracles, but it was just, <laughs> this crazy God's thing, so and it made the front page of the of the city newspaper <laughs> <laughs> that a church bought this property. Wow, God's so good. Anyway, that's it, awesome. So there's a prophetic word, you know, and kind of following it with all the work that's behind it, and kind of the audacity and the, the you know stewarding that word. Yeah. So I often think that when when we're there, I, you know, I I say, wow, we're we are living our lives inside a manifested prophetic word. So beautiful. So, I love that. There's so many yeah. layers. There's so many layers to this story, and <laughs> I wanted you to layers. like, oh, there's so <laughs> many beautiful layers. But at the end of the day, it's all about you know your your life was centered around the presence of yeah. God, intimacy with God, obedience yeah. to the Lord, and the words yeah. that He's given you. And it's amazing. Yeah. You experience joy here and there, the presence of God, the glory of God. But then you had encounters like in Toronto, where it just became, it yeah. just changed your framework, changed your mentality, and you brought it to your home church. And even just with the lot, with all the prophetic things that people are speaking over you guys, and just one word from the Lord broke that off. There's yeah. just there's like such a beautiful journey to intimacy with the Lord, and I love I love that yeah. you that this is a part of your story because I hammer this a lot on the podcast and in my life when I travel and preach. But you know, sometimes God may ask you to do something that you don't want to do in your own you know natural exactly. mind in your own natural <laughs> mind, right? But there's something to right. yielding. Right. There's something to yielding and surrendering, yeah. saying, God, you are good, yeah. and if you call me to do this then it will be good and i say yes yeah. and then he begins to change your desires and you begin to see a manifestation of his promises and the beauty of god and all yeah. these amazing things take place and so wow that's awesome and i just kind of the way i'd love to sum up this yeah. podcast here would be there's i know there's people listening that have prophetic words over their life yeah. or god has spoken to them something you know in in their in their yeah. quiet time with the lord and their relationship with god yeah. And they're in that painful place that that you were in at one point right. in, in your life, yep. and they don't know what to do. Exactly. A lot of people want to give up. A lot of people want to just you know start doing what's in their mind, the logical thing to do, instead of being faithful to to yep. what they know they're supposed to do. What would you say to somebody who's in that painful period of kind of carrying a promise or walking with the Lord and really yeah. seeing no hope in sight? Well, thanks for asking, Michael. I I 
as I was pondering this, I was just kind of pondering this this morning and thinking exactly about the the people that you just described. Mm-hmm. And I, I would say this, I think at every point, there's a question that comes to us. And it, it's the question that's in Romans 8.31, mm-hmm. that if God did not spare his own son, but gave him for us, how will he not also with him give us, freely give us all things? And so the question arises out of that, what shall we then say to these things? Mm -hmm. And the temptation is to hear the rejection, to let the disappointment have the microphone in our life, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that, that here's the fallback for me, and it, and it kind of keeps you in joy, mm-hmm. that it's really not about my life or my destiny or what I get done, but it's about what God has said. And even if it's not fully manifested in my life, I'm carrying it, I'm communicating it, it's going to, like a seed, be planted in someone else's mm. heart. Wow. And the, and the word of the Lord is sure, you know, and this is the trajectory of Scripture, that many promises were given that we're still waiting for. That's right. <laughs> like, That's right. I mean, we all love Isaiah, but imagine Isaiah toward the end of his life. You know, he's checking off the list. Like, God, what about what about chapter sixty? What about chapter sixty one? Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. because God takes us beyond ourselves in prophetic words and beyond maybe even our lifetime. So, my encouragement would be: stay in love with God. Don't, I think everything that the enemy does is to, to turn us inward mm-hmm. in shame or condemnation or disappointment. And everything God does is to set us free of, of all that, yeah. you know, just set us oh, yeah. free. That it's not about me. It's not about you. It's yeah. about him and how we carry this relationship we have with him. So yeah. that, I just want to pray. I want to pray, first of all, yes. that they not lose hope mm-hmm. that the words are true, but that they, uh, that there's a freedom to allow God as the master painter to, to paint the canvas the way he chooses. Amen. So please do. Yes. So yeah. Well, father, we love you. I just love you. I love, I thank you for the heritage of all the saints who've gone before us. And we thank you for this, this young generation that's on fire and full of faith and vision. And I thank you for the amazing prophetic words that have been spoken. And I just pray for all those who find themselves in the middle of a process where it's not clear what the direction is where they're going. I pray you would come and you would meet and encounter each one listening and that their hearts would be revived. And that what we say 
to whatever we encounter will be something that gives you glory. Yes. Pray for a blessing on Michael and his family and his amazing ministry and the vision you've given him. I pray, God, it would get even better than we imagined. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow. Amen. Ah, and just for those who are listening right now, you've you've uh, heard it displayed in um, in Charles' story, but you never know what's on the other side of your obedience. The glory of God, the you know, the miraculous, the really yeah. see the touch of heaven. And so even when we don't want to yield to the Lord because we had a different idea of our life or how we saw things going, just that simple yes to the Lord Jesus, you'll just begin to see a manifestation of the kingdom of God. And joy, joy is huge, you know, that you know, in, in yeah. everything. And just because you're not feeling joy in the moment because maybe you're going through something painful, I just want you to know that the Lord, he does comfort those who mourn and he will bring joy and expressible and full of glory into your life as you yield and walk with him and focus on him more than anything else, more than your circumstances. And so, wow, thank you. Pastor Charles, for speaking with me today, sharing oh. your story. What a beautiful story. I know people are going to leave this very encouraged and, you know, definitely, you know, enlightened and, and, and strengthened for their journey. So thank you for that. Wow. What an honor. Thank you, Michael. It's an honor to speak with you. God bless you. <laughs> you too. God bless you. For those who are listening, okay. make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast so we can get it out to more people. And oh, real quick, I'm so sorry. Charles, how do people connect with your ministry and your website? I almost forgot to ask you. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm really bad at promoting myself. So <laughs> the best website to go to would just be Life Center website, lcmi.org. And you can see what we've got going on there, what products are out and uh, all of that. All that good stuff. Okay, uh, perfect. All right, great. Absolutely. (laughs) And so thank you for listening, everybody. I'll talk to you next time on Awaken Podcast. Hello, let me tell you about this amazing online store, The Hope Filled Journey. You'll definitely want to check it out today. Michelle and Renee Torres, they started up this online store in obedience to the Holy Spirit in the midst of a crazy year, like we all know, uh, full-time jobs, raising four children, and they stepped out in faith and God is honoring them every step of the way. You go to www.thehopevilledjourney.com. It's where you'll find extraordinary products, clothes, fashion accessories, jewelry, and more. Their goal is to inspire faith through their product line as well as high quality and all they do and produce, which we know is very, very important. Um, Check it out today, thehopefilledjourney.com, and you'll get $10 off when you spend $50 or more. And you'll also get $20 off of your purchase if you spend $100 or more with promo code AWAKEN. So go to www.thehopefilledjourney.com. You'll get $10 off when you spend $50 or more, and you'll get $20 off if, with, with a purchase of $100 or more with promo code AWAKEN. I highly recommend it. It's an incredible store, so make sure to go to thehopefilledjourney.com today. <music>